Hello, and welcome to the Emotional Expedition Podcast. I'm Meg Thomas, and if you want to live a more open-hearted, magical life, it all starts with your emotions. This podcast will take you on a journey, helping you to better understand, express, release, and heal your emotions. Let's get exploring. Welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. Last week's episode on the four agreements stirred up a whole bunch for me. This happens a lot to me, and it might be true for you as well. Whatever it is you're working on, meaning whatever lessons you're learning that still need to be fully integrated, will show up in all sorts of places as opportunities for you to heal another layer. Think of your healing as the layers of an onion. Just when you peel back one layer, there's another one waiting to be revealed. I now know that whenever I'm leading a retreat, whatever I'm personally working on will always show up at the retreat. So even though I'm the one leading the retreat, the lessons are there for me just as much as anyone who's attending the retreat. And even though they may present themselves as challenges, They're actually opportunities, opportunities for me to repattern an old way of being. In last week's episode on the four agreements, I shared that the second agreement, which is don't take anything personally, is something that's been coming up a lot for me, especially as I continue to grow and put myself out there, like through this podcast, for instance. I shared that my mom and little sister have never acknowledged listening to an episode of this podcast and that I can't take that personally. I have no idea why they haven't mentioned anything, and more than likely it has less to do with me and more to do with them. I still feel this is true. The more we can work on not taking things personally, the better. But what did come up for me was this piece around validation. Last week, I shared that how I continue to be vulnerable and put myself out there without validation from two of the people I've been seeking validation from my entire life is through self-love. I can do this work because I love myself, and I know why I'm doing it in the first place, which is to help others who might be struggling with the same things that I have and still continue to struggle with, emotions. I then went on to say that my ultimate goal is to not seek external validation and to just be able to give it to myself. This is the part that I'm now questioning. I think it's an and. I think it's a yes. I love and validate myself and it's okay that I desire validation from the people I love. I went to my therapist this week with the goal of ridding myself of this desire trying to find a way just to let that part of me go completely. And he told me to think of it through the lens of being a child. And then it clicked. Earlier that day, by no coincidence, there are no coincidences, I saw a video on my friend Annie's Instagram of a three-year-old girl dressed in a black top with a festive holiday red skirt made of tulle. You might have seen it. It's been going around. She's standing on a stage with all the other three-year-olds at her very first dance recital. She's scanning the audience, 
And there's this moment where she looks out into the crowd and she looks so sad and a bit scared. And she just keeps looking, searching. And then finally she sees them. She spots her people, her family. And she starts to enthusiastically wave her hands. A smile as big as can be is on her face. And she is overwhelmed by the feeling and starts to cry. We see her wiping her tears away as she continues to wave and smile. This is a natural human desire, the desire to be seen, to be validated. Oprah has shared that after almost every single interview she does, it doesn't matter who it is, Beyonce, the president, every single person asks her, how did I do? How was I? We all just want some validation to know that I'm doing it right. So moving forward, I'm going to allow the part of me that desires to be seen and to be validated to keep being there. I'm not going to try to get rid of it like I was originally hoping to. But the hard part is, is that even if I start to love and accept this part of myself, I have no control over how others show up. I may never get the validation I seek from some people. And that's what I'm going to have to work on is not taking that personally. So if you've ever felt this way, you're not alone. I see you. Keep showing up. Keep opening up. Keep your heart open. Keep being vulnerable. And you will find the people in your life who can see you, who can validate you. In the words of our beloved Brene Brown, I'm not here to be right. I'm here to get it right. And this is what letting go of my perfectionism has allowed space for, the space for curiosity, leaning in, and allowing myself to get it wrong over and over again, all in the pursuit of a deeper understanding, a deeper truth. This week, as the holiday season gets into full swing, I want to talk about our energy and emotions. This episode is going to be a little bit more woo than normal, and I kind of love it. I'm going to share some really easy, really practical tips for taking care of your energy during the holidays and throughout the rest of the year. Have you ever walked into a store and felt a little bit off? Or have you gone to someone's house and felt totally drained by the time you left? Have you ever gotten off the phone with someone and felt depressed, even though you felt totally happy when you started the conversation? Or maybe the opposite's true. Have you ever felt anxious and then spent time with someone and your anxiety totally disappeared and you felt much more calm by the time you left? This is energy. We all feel it. So let's take a closer look at what exactly energy is. In Denise Lynn's book, Energy Strands, she shares the three tenets of energy. The first tenet is that everything is composed of constantly changing energy. Denise shares, those living in ancient earth-based cultures understood that all forms of life, from the clouds to the trees to the buffalo that roamed the Great Plains, to mountains and stones were all transient, swirling patterns of energy. This is an understanding that goes back to primordial times in native clans spanning the world. Our present-day concept that the universe is fixed instead is dramatically at odds with this fundamental ancestral insight. She goes on to say that all life is energy. Physicists acknowledge that atoms and molecules, even in objects that seem solid, are in constant motion. 
Beneath the surface of fixed objects existing in a linear river of time is a realm of energy that swirls, dissolves, and coalesces once again. So basically, everything's made up of energy. You, the chair you're sitting in, the clothes you're wearing, the snow outside your window, it's all made up of energy. The second tenet is we are not separate from the world around us. We are born into the world knowing this, knowing that we are all one, knowing we're all connected, but we forget it. Little by little, we forget this deep inner knowing. Many of the difficulties we experience come from this belief that we are separate. Especially in Western culture, we believe we're separate from the earth, the animals, the trees. We believe we're separate from one another, and sometimes we even believe we're separate from ourselves and our bodies. And the third tenet is that everything has a consciousness. The world around you and within you is alive and has consciousness. Denise shares that those in native cultures understand what few Western cultures know. They recognize that not only is the universe around us a vast flowing energy field which we are intimately connected, but everything in the universe has consciousness. Even the most hardened skeptics would agree that animals are conscious beings. And modern science has proven that plants have intent and respond to the energy fields of humans. However, no less conscious are the stones and the mountains and the rivers. Ancient Native people understood this well. They would ask for blessings from the spirit of the sea before embarking on a fishing trip and give thanks to plants when they were picked. And the animals were thanked after a hunt for the gift of their lives. The earth beneath our feet was not considered inanimate. Earth was mother. Thanks were given to her, and forgiveness was asked before digging into her flesh because those in earth-based cultures understood that everything was alive. All right, now that we have a better understanding of what energy is, I want to share the concept of energy strands or cords. According to Denise, Energy strands are invisible, yet very genuine lines of energy and communication that connect us to people, places, and things. Energy can ebb and flow through these links. These strands, cords, filaments, threads, and strings that connect us to the world around us can be thin and transient, or they can flow vast like a river, and they can even come from our past and exist over lifetimes. Strong emotions such as love and fear travel quickly through these linkages. Physical pain, physical pleasure, and knowledge and wisdom can also be transmitted through them. Some of these energy attachments are beneficial. They allow us to feel vibrant and alive. Others aren't so helpful. They deplete us and weaken us. When two people interact with each other, energy cords are formed between them. These energy cords can feel either energizing or depleting. Most individuals are not consciously aware of these energy cords. They conceal them on a subconscious level. Energy cords allow us to feel another person, even if they're thousands of miles away. Sometimes we can even sense what another person is feeling or thinking through the cord. And energy strands can pull people together. They can also make it difficult to separate when a relationship is no longer constructive. There are cord-like energy connections to locations as well. A few years ago, 
I was grocery shopping in Wegmans, my favorite grocery store, and this was pre-pandemic, so I was actually physically shopping in a store. Instacart hadn't changed my life yet. (laughs) I was just about to check out and checking out with a real person, none of this do-it-yourself business. And right there, in the checkout line, I was hit with a wave of anxiety. I felt my posture change, and this anxiety spread through my body like wildfire. I made it to the car. I somehow managed to get the groceries in the car. I drove home. I have literally no idea how. Pulled the car in the garage and attempted to unload the groceries. But before I could do that, I got myself in the house walked in the living room and just sat on the floor in the living room inside my beloved Hunter's dog bed. I sat there for what seemed like forever, just trying to breathe. I know what my anxiety feels like, and this was different. I didn't have anything to be anxious about at this time. So I stayed there on his big blue dog bed until Ian got home, groceries still sitting in the trunk of the car. When I saw Ian, I could tell something was up with him. He said to me that he just had had an anxiety attack, and immediately I knew this wasn't my anxiety I was feeling. This was his. I asked him when it started, and it was the exact time I was in the checkout line. This is one of the ways energy strands or cords work. The people you're connected with can transmit emotions, both good and bad, through the sort of energetic telephone. Let's start with the people we love. Very often we have cords with people we love and spend a lot of time with in our lives. We've all heard stories about twins knowing what the other's doing and feeling, mothers who somehow can sense their child being in danger, or when you can sense someone is about to call you and then the phone rings. I think it's the work of our intuition, but also... This is energy. This is our energy strands. I think it's them, the intuition and the energy working together all as one. If this experience with Ian were to happen to me today, I would have a whole toolkit of different things I would try to disconnect or cut myself off from that negative energy. But before I share how to cut the cords, we have to ask ourselves why we would want to cut them in the first place. Here are some of the negative symptoms that heavy cording can create. So the first is if you feel really chronically exhausted, like so tired, and you know it's not your normal. Patterns that aren't yours. If you start to have random unwanted thoughts, emotions that you can't seem to control, this is what I had with Ian, that intense anxiety that wasn't mine. If you have an unhealthy attachment to people, places, or things, if all of a sudden you find yourself aching for a past relationship, having obsessive thoughts, repetitive conversations with someone in your head, plotting ways to get revenge, sympathy pains, depression, hopelessness, these are all symptoms of being heavily courted. And the most important thing I'm going to say in this entire episode is You have to know what your baseline is. You have to know what your normal is, how you normally feel in your own body. What are your thoughts typically like? What does your own inner voice sound like to you? What is its usual tone? Because only when we know ourself can we know if we've picked up someone else's energy. The first step 
is always awareness. The first step is the awareness that something feels off. The second step is asking yourself if what you're feeling is positive or negative. And then you want to ask yourself if it's yours or someone else's that you're feeling. Once you have that information, you can work on releasing it. For me, with the story about Ian, I was able to actually see him come home and realize what was happening. Very often, we won't get that real-time kind of feedback, and we'll have to rely on knowing what our baseline is to know when we're off. And I'll be honest, sometimes I know instantly that I'm off, and sometimes it can be days or even weeks before I realize it. If this were to happen today, I would start by grounding myself. You can do this by going outside, barefoot, using the energy of the earth to help ground you, or you can use a grounding prayer. Here's a prayer for grounding from my teacher, Zila Rodriguez. I stand and I feel myself focusing on my heart center. And I say this out loud. I now ground my root chakra, sub chakras, and grounding cords deep into Mother Earth. I say this prayer out loud and I visualize grounding cords coming out of the bottoms of my hands and feet and also this tube of white light coming down the root chakra in between my legs and down into the earth. These cords go all the way into the iron core center of the earth. And I actually say this prayer every morning in the bathroom after I brush my teeth, grounding me for the day before I go out into the world. After I've grounded, there are a whole bunch of different techniques I have in my toolbox. So sometimes I need just one tool and sometimes I need to try a couple of them. So I'm going to share a couple of my favorites with you. The first one is the sponge technique. This is one of the easiest for me to do, which was also taught to me by Zila. You can either be standing, sitting, however you find yourself. I close my eyes. I visualize a giant sponge. I like to think of this as one of the super large car washing sponges and it's placed inside of me. I think of it like from my belly button, like up to my lungs, like through the chest. I remove the sponge, so I take the sponge out of my body. I visualize myself taking it out, and I squeeze it. I squeeze it so hard, I completely wring it out, and I picture all of the energy I've picked up from the day going back into the earth where it will be transformed. Once my sponge is completely wrung out, I'll put the sponge back into my body, all clean and dry. This technique is really great if you're around a lot of people and have picked up a lot of different energies throughout the day. If you're at a holiday party, a concert, the New York State Fair, in the subway, this is a great technique to try out. The next technique is showering or bathing. Have you ever been around a lot of people, like at a concert or some other event, and just felt the need to shower as soon as you got home? you're probably feeling like you picked up a whole bunch of other people's energy and just wanted to release it, even if you consciously weren't aware of it. So a technique that really works for me is getting in the shower. There's something about the water hitting me that cleanses the energy for me. When I'm leading retreats, I will shower every night before going to bed to help me disconnect from everyone's energy. I'll visualize the energy washing off me and down the drain back into the earth as if the water is cutting all these cords for me. Taking a bath is another way to remove negative energy. Denise Lynn shared that a combination of Epsom 
or Himalayan salt. She said usually about a pound or two pounds of salt with baking soda can cleanse the body. She then suggests after the bath showering with cold water to fully cleanse. I have not tried this, but I am definitely going to put it on the list to try. When I first started to learn about energy strands and cords, I wondered if cutting the cord with someone I love, like Ian, for instance, would disconnect me from him in any way. And I didn't want that to happen. But what I've learned for myself, and this may not be true for you, is I don't want to feel all his feelings and let his moods influence mine. I want to be connected to him, but also sovereign in my own energy. So yes, I do cut cords with him, and I cut cords with everyone whenever I need to, which isn't that often. When you are cutting cords with someone you know, and you know exactly who it is, you want to hold it in love. You can do this by visualizing that person across from you and send them a white light full of love, like a bubble of white light love. It could be pink as well. And visualize the cord between you and them, and then visualize yourself cutting the cord. And sometimes that's enough. Sometimes that's all you need. And if it feels like nothing's happening, then I call on Archangel Michael to help. And honestly, this is the technique I use most frequently This is the one that I I tend to do every week. So whether not, I wouldn't say every day, but at least once a week, I end up calling on Archangel Michael. This is from the work of Kyle Gray. Archangel Michael will come to all those who call on him to cut the cords that are holding them back. His sword is so powerful and strong that nothing can stop its force. Kyle says it's a good idea for us to cut cords regularly. When we're around a negative experience or people unload their drama on us, the negative energy can hook onto our auras without us even noticing it. This doesn't make a person negative. It's just the energy that's being created by a certain situation. If you've ever felt unrested or unexplainably angry, not been able to get to sleep or had nightmares, it's your body trying to process and release the negative energy. By working with Michael, you'll release it instantly. You can cut the cords in two ways, either through prayer or visualization. The visualization for cutting cords is imagine yourself in a safe place filled with white light, angels all around you. Now imagine any old situation, people's views of you, connections. View them as connections, as ribbons of energy coming from your body. They could look like ribbons or cords, whatever you visualize. Once you feel you have cords all over your body, welcome Archangel Michael to cut them. Imagine a tall, handsome angel coming with his sword of light and cutting these cords as easily as as if you were taking a pair of scissors to the ribbons, see them cut through and fall away. When you feel they've all been cut, thank the angels and Michael and open your eyes. This is the prayer that Kyle Gray created as well for Archangel Michael. Thank you, Archangel Michael, for cutting the cords that bind me to people, situations, and old energy. I am free. As I welcome your energy, I am filled with strength and your light of protection washes over me. And so it is. I have a story that I want to share that just happened. This happened about two weeks ago. 
And this is about energy strands from strangers. So I saw on Facebook that my mother-in-law was looking for this rare African violet. And I thought to myself, if I can find this for her for Christmas, this would be huge. This would be a great gift for her. So I did some searching. The only place I could come up with that had it was eBay. All of these different sellers sell it either by the leaf or like tiny two-inch plants. And then you have to pay twice as much to ship it during the winter to try and protect these tiny little plants. And so while I was searching around, I learned that some of the biggest growers of African violets happened to be in upstate New York. And I saw this one that had this particular plant she was looking for was only 45 minutes away. So I contact this woman on eBay. I ask her if I can just pay for it and come and pick it up from her. And she responds, absolutely. And you can also look around. Feel free to look around, see what else I have. So I make a plan. The next day, I'm going to go. Fortunately for me, Ian was home that day. So I asked him if he wanted to go on a little adventure and drive with me. So we loaded up the dog because, yes, Bozzy pretty much goes everywhere with us. Put him in the truck. And Ian and I set off to go get these flowers. And about 15 minutes before we arrived at this woman's house, I received a text message from her. And it wasn't, there was nothing weird in the text message. It was just like, when you arrive, you'll see that there's a brown truck in the yard and a black van and then just come right in the house. And so, I mean, it was a little weird that somebody would say, just come right in. But other than that, there was nothing super weird about the text. But I instantly had an intuitive hit, like an intuitive knowing of like, "Mm, something doesn't feel right. And then when we pulled in the driveway, the first thing we see is this like man walks out with like an axe over his shoulder and Ian looks at me and he's picking up on a vibe. And of course, it's one of those like rainy, cold, drizzly days, which just add to the whole atmosphere. So even though he wasn't directly saying it, Now, looking back, I know he was feeling it too. So he says to me, do you want me to go in with you? And I was like, no, I I think I'll be fine. And then he says, just keep your phone in your hand and like text me that everything's okay. And so I go in, I knock on the door because I'm not going to just go in. I knock on the door. And as soon as I walk in, there's this like little eight-month-old puppy jumping and biting my ankles and like all over me. And I'm just hit by this smell, this like smell of this home. And I've never actually seen someone live this way. And so I walk in and there's like dog pee pads everywhere. And and so clearly the dog was going to the bathroom in the house. And that was probably contributing quite a bit to the smell I was smelling. And there was just trash and piles of things everywhere like you there was only like a an aisle basically you could walk through to get into this place and it was this ultimate paradox of i would look to the left and there was this room with all these grow lights and these beautiful incredible plants and then the rest of the house was just 
so dirty and dark and like rain was coming in in the ceiling and she told me she just saw a mouse yesterday and I was thinking to myself there's probably a hundred mice in here and she was very kind like I wasn't getting anything other than kindness off of her but I just felt uncomfortable like the energy of the home I just felt so uncomfortable in but I stayed in the light I stayed in the very bright grow light room and tried to pick my plants and ask her questions. And she was definitely talking and sharing things that you probably wouldn't share with somebody you just met. So it was a little jarring, but I just kind of chalked it up to that she probably doesn't have a lot of people come out there. And I was probably, you know, one of the only people she comes in contact with on that day or that week. And so she was just excited to talk to somebody. So my phone dings and Ian texts, he texts something like, are you okay? Question mark. And I wrote, yep. To which later I found out that he was asking himself like, well, anybody could have just grabbed her phone and texted that. How was I to know that was really her texting back? So he was having his own experience in the truck waiting for me. So I start to pick out my plants. I try to do it as quickly as possible, but she just wants to talk and talk and is just telling me stories and just has this energy like she feels like she does not want to let me leave. So I text Ian, he texts again, and I text just paying. I'll be out in a minute. And I do my best to get out the door. And as I get in the truck, I'm just hit by this wave of anxiety. I was not feeling it. I was feeling uncomfortable in the house, but I was not feeling this anxiousness, this overwhelm, this dread, just this terrible feelings. So I get in the car and I'm feeling this way. And Ian shares to me how worried he was, thinking if I he should go in there. What was the guy doing with the axe? I never saw him. He never came in. So there was none of that. But that was Ian's <laughs> experience of worrying. So We go home and I am doing breathing exercises in the car. I'm doing everything I know. I'm slowing my breath down to try and shake this feeling of anxiety, which I wasn't having any anxiety. This was not my feeling. So I get home. I say a prayer. I ground myself. I call in Archangel Michael. I ask to have the cords cut I feel like it helps a little, like it moves at maybe 10%. So I go up to my yoga studio, which is probably the the space in the house that feels the best. So I go up there, I get the sage out, I'm saging my entire body, calling in Archangel Michael again, praying, doing all the things. And I would say I probably moved it about 20%. So I finally had to reach out to Zila, which I'm so grateful to have someone, whether you have a healer, someone who does Reiki or uh, vortex healing, or just a healer in your life that you can call on in these moments. I've worked with Zila for a very long time, and I've only, I think this might be the third time that I've ever had to call her to ask for support of having a clearing. So she wasn't able to get to it that night, but said she'd be able to get to it the next day. So I continued the next morning doing all my things. I took a shower that night, 
The next morning, I woke up, showered again, just trying to move it, and I was still feeling anxious. I walked outside in nature, all of that. And then eventually, Zila was able to do a clearing. She cleared not only me, but Ian, his truck, uh, the dog, and our entire house. So clearly, and this was out without any instruction from me. I just said I needed a clearing, but clearly she picked up on that we all needed it. And I felt a million times better. So by the time the next evening came, I was like back to 100%. So this is energy. (laughs) This is a negative experience, but this is somebody plugging into you that is a stranger. This could be somebody you know, but this can happen with strangers as well. And I guess the only visual that I have for it is like that... (laughs) She is the iPhone. Like she's the iPhone and the iPhone battery's low. And I walked in totally, you know, jubilant and my open, loving self. And she just plugged into me. Like she just plugged her iPhone into charge. And it's my job at that point to disconnect that to take that cord out, to unplug it so she can't deplete me of my own energy. So this can happen. So what I would have done differently, there's a whole lot of things I would have done differently. The first and most important thing, which I've shared stories on this podcast about times I have not listened to my intuition. So I would have listened to my intuition and I would have turned around when I got that first indication that something was off And I would have listened to Ian because he wasn't saying it in those words of intuition, but I could tell just by what he was asking me, worried about me going in there, that he also was having those alarm bells go off. The next is if I was in a situation where I still had to go inside, but I was having these worries, I could have put myself in a protective bubble of energy So how you do this is you call in pink or orange or white. These seem to kind of be the best colors to do this with and just surround your energy field, like visualize yourself in this bright white light and stay protected. You can call in angels for protection. Archangel Michael is the angel you would call in for protection. Another thing you can do is call in your own energy field, call in your aura How I do this is I visualize those like old school vacuums, the one where you would push a button and the cord would like immediately like retract itself inside of the vacuum. So I like to think of this as as the aura. So my aura is out, you know, as far out as could be. Maybe it's out 10 feet. And what you do is you just hit this button and retract your aura, retract your energy field close to your body so it's like right up against your skin. This is a great thing to do if you're going out in public where there's going to be a lot of people around. You're going to a concert, you're going to a fair, whatever it is, call your energy field in. And once again, but honestly, if I had to do it all over again, I would have given myself permission to just turn the car around and go home. And now, (laughs) since that lovely story about how a home can feel so energetically negative, I want to talk about energy in your home. One of the greatest compliments I receive over and over again is how peaceful my home feels. 
This is because I work to keep it that way. My favorite is when my niece and nephew come over and spend the night here. And my niece is always telling me she just loves how peaceful it feels here. It's because I do things to help support that. So I'm constantly decluttering, letting go of things because our things can hold energy, especially old things. Like if you bring an antique into your home, you're going to want to cleanse it. You can do this by saging it. You can do this by praying over it. If you bring in um, crystals, you're going to want to cleanse them from wherever you bought them. So you can run them underwater. You can put them under the full moon. You can sage them, whatever it is. So constantly decluttering and the things you do keep in your home, keeping them energetically clear as well. I smudge the entire house a few times a year using sage to rid the house of negative energy and infuse it with love. And on the rare occasion that Ian and I get into an argument, I for sure sage the room after that, especially the bedroom. The difference is noticeable. You won't believe how much better it feels. And I'm almost always diffusing Young Living essential oils, which can cleanse, purify, and also infuse the space as well. And when I'm really on my game, I leave mantra music playing in the house, even when I'm not home. I have crystals throughout the home to help cleanse and protect as well. And for the holidays, if you find yourself playing hostess this holiday, you might want to consider energetically cleansing your home both before and after your party. So this could look like saging your home or just using essential oils to diffuse before people come over and then once again doing it after so you can clear their energy. Now, the deeper nature of energy strands, like let's talk about the spiritual aspect of it. Denise Lynn says that your strands allow you to grow. From a spiritual perspective, we are on this planet to grow. And often the way we grow is through imbalance, a plant that has to use great effort to make its way through rocky soil is often much healthier than a house plant in a protected environment. The challenges you face in life allow you to hone and polish the facets of the gem that you are. They allow you to grow as a spiritual being. As the saying goes, we don't learn humility from our friends, which means it's often through disharmony that we grow the most. So instead of bemoaning the seemingly negative strands that you have, honor them and be grateful for the value you're gaining in your life through learning to deal with them. If you have strands that feel like they're diminishing you, it's valuable to recognize that they are all a part of your spiritual journey. It's not an accident what cords are attached to you. The exact kind of strands that you have and where they've attached to you is not an accident. There's always a vibrational match. If you want to know what you haven't accepted in yourself or what you judge in yourself, look at the strands that deplete you. If you want to see what you celebrate, love, and accept yourself, examine the strands that inspire you to greater deeds and deeper love. Nothing can attach to you unless on some level there's an energy match. It's truly the law of attraction. However, if you have negative cords, there's nothing to feel guilty about. It's simply a part of the dance of life on our planet. We all get negative strands and we all learn from them. They are not an accident. 
If this topic intrigues you, I highly recommend checking out Denise Lynn's book, Energy Strands, because we are just barely touching the surface here. It's the ultimate guide to clearing cords that are constricting your life. She gives many more examples on clearing your energy, cutting cords, and all the different things we have cords with, like the house you grew up in, pets, past lovers, and the list goes on. But today, I want to leave you on a positive note, (laughs) a positive energetic cord. Have you heard of Amma, the hugging saint? Amma translates to the word mother, and she has hugged over 33 million people across the globe. Deepak Chopra said that Amma is the embodiment of pure love. Her presence heals. People come from all over the world to receive one of her hugs. She has been known to stay up all night and never takes a bathroom break to make sure everyone receives a hug. She sleeps about two hours a night, and she states that the power of love can make you do anything. Ama shows you the real you, the divine you, one that's just like her, motivated by love. There are so many stories how receiving a hug from Ama has changed people's lives, and Ama is the best example I could come up with of a positive energetic strand or cord. She will leave you feeling better, feeling loved, validated, and seen. And every so often I go check her website to see when she'll be back in the U.S. There's nothing listed as of today, but I'm going to keep checking so I can finally experience one of her hugs for myself, and maybe you can too. And I'll leave you with a quote from Amma. We are all beads strung together on the same thread of love. I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you for listening. And if you loved this episode, will you please share it with a friend or two? Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you're sure to never miss a single episode. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.